You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After losing to the Washington Wizards in a disappointing game Monday, the Pacers hope to rebound against the Miami Heat as they traveled back home Wednesday. It was a pretty close game in the first half, back and forth. Pacers had a, had a, should have had a bigger lead, but poor shooting from both teams led to a, uh, I believe, a two-point halftime Pacer lead. Then the Pacers jumped up to a huge third-quarter start, up as much as 15 points before the Heat clawed their way back. But still, come fourth quarter time, the Pacers led this game. But a dry spell, the end of the quarter, led the Heat to claw their way back and jump ahead of this Pacer team as the Heat beat the Pacers 92-87. to For the Pacers, their leading score was Miles Turner with 15 points. And they and Karis Avert had 14. And Devin Durant had also had 14 to round out the top scores. For the Heat, Duncan Robinson led all scores with 20 points off the bench. Taylor Hero had 17. Butler had 18. And Bam Adebayo had 16. Welcome into the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, the host of this wonderful show. And on today's podcast, I'm going to break down the Pacers and Heat game. Talk a little Lance Stevenson, who's in the news to end this show. But we got to start with the Pacers' miserable fourth quarter play. Another bad performance from this team. I don't know how many more of these I, I can take, <laughs> frankly. Man, this team is just, I mean, after Monday's loss, where they went dry for four for four minutes, tonight they couldn't make a shot for four or five minutes, the fourth quarter offense is just, like, dead at times. And it's frustrating, and it's, like, I'm screaming at the TV, somebody go to the bleeping rim, stop shooting 25-foot threes, but then the Heat's defense is pretty decent, so they can't get around guys. They have no play to run to try to get a, a easy bucket. Like, they don't have a pick and roll. They don't have an ISO. They can't get anything figured out. It's, like... Move and move, move the ball. Everybody try to puncture. Nobody can puncture. Jack up a three, and it's it's so frustrating to watch because I've done this podcast for four years now. And the first year we did this show was the 2017-18 season, and that was probably one of the most exciting Pacer seasons of my 23, almost 24 years on this planet. So right, I mean, there's 0304, my first year watching the Pacers. Oh, they were amazing that year. There's 12, 13, 13, 14, also great years. But 17, 18 was like on another level because that team came in the year with like no expectations, right? It was like, could they win 35 games? And then all of a sudden, they're pulling clutch play out their ass. Vic was nailing threes all over the place. He could, he, you know, at the end of games, he could not miss a bucket. It was ISO him. He scored every time. And all of a sudden, this team goes from being sort of like, a, could they be frisky to like their legit four or five seed? They take the eventual Eastern Conference winners in the half seven games. Like a real, they were a really good team that was really good that season. Um, had, had a legit shot at like maybe getting the East Finals if things broke their way. Um, they ended up playing the best team in the East that year in the first round, so it, it hurt them. But since Vic got hurt, they've been like searching for this clutch play. And then they traded Vic, and they're still searching for this clutch play. And they're not going to find it. And they can't find it right now, right? Brogdon's been okay in the clutch at times. But tonight, you know, he has nights where he looks dead. And he looks completely dead because he spent so much time guarding Butler and playing defense that just exhausted him. And so then they're just, like, stuck with their bailout shot being a 25-foot Miles Turner three, which is not the most efficient shot. Um, not the shot I'd pick if I'm going for, like, I need a bucket. And it's just frustrating. I mean, it's just so frustrating because... I've seen them be at their best in clutch play, and this is the worst I've seen in the last four years from this team. And I've seen this team in a long time. I mean, this is, you know, this team is in every single game. There have been uh, 
10 games or 11 games since the All-Star break, there was one game they got blown out in that I thought, they thought, oh, they for sure lose. Every other game, they either leading the fourth quarter or down by a, a, like one basket in the fourth quarter. From the Nets to the Nuggets, both games they ended up losing by a decent amount of points. They were in those games in the fourth quarter, and they had a shot. And I'm not saying they should win every fourth quarter, every close game, but man, they are getting beat by teams they should beat. They should beat the Wizards in the fourth quarter. They should be a better fourth quarter team than the Wizards. The Heat, I get it. They played three tight games with the Heat, and they finally lost one. I, I, I could chalk that up to, like, it happens, the law of averages. The fact they lost Monday just made this loss even worse, right? If they had won Monday and lost it this night, sure, I'd be on here com- being like, dang, that sucked. But you feel like, well, the Heat are a good team. They're the sixth seed. They're, they're a team that's a legit NBA title aspirations. Like, losing to them is not the end of the world. But this is now twice in fourth quarter against a team they've had terrible fourth quarters, right? You can't forget that Sunday game two weeks ago where they basically blew like a 10-point fourth quarter lead and got lucky about the overtime. A Butler missed free throw, saved their ass, and they played really good in overtime to win thanks to some Justin Holiday threes at, at an opportune time. But the fourth quarter play is so bad. They had 20 points set in the fourth quarter, and they honestly probably should have had 14 if it wasn't for some last-second um, threes. I mean, it was like, it was, I think it was 89-82, I guess, and it ended up being, I think at one point, 90-84. to That probably should have been the final score. But seven, they should have had 17 fourth quarter points. That's miserable. I mean, that's that would have been two quarters of under 20 points in this game. The offense was terrible tonight. It was just like some of the worst I've seen. I don't know how they solve it. I mean, I would say the answer to their problems is TJ Warren, who's not coming back this year, so that's not an answer for this season. But they just don't have that guy of like, crap, I can't find anything. Here's the ball. Go play one-on-one and win. They don't have a play. Maybe some more Sabonis. Brogdon pick and rolls, but that wasn't going to work because Sabonis was kind of hurt. I mean, they just don't have any like drive to the rim play. Karis tried and got swatted by Bam. I mean, he ran into a forest of trees. Um, and centers when you got, you know, tall guys between Andre Iguodala and Butler and Bam. He just ran into a bunch of players he couldn't really beat. But they just didn't, they just didn't have anything. And it's just, it's it's crazy to think right now that this team's clutch play has gotten so bad. Um, and I don't know the solution at this point. I'm not here to act like I can solve these problems. Some of it is just luck, things to break their way. But, and maybe if some three point shots go their way, they're all of a sudden talking about the team being great clutch play. But it's been bad. It's been bad. It's been bad clutch play. And it, it's concerning because. It's not just bad clutch play against good teams, like when they lost the Lakers and lost the Nuggets and lost the Nets. They're like, well, those are good teams. It's bad clutch play against mediocre teams. The Heat have been mediocre this year, and against bad teams, the Wizards, who are bad and they should have beaten. And that's, it's just a bad loss. So, I know really positive start this podcast. So let's do this. Let's take a break, and then I'll flip it around. It's about some of the positives from the game, and I'm gonna keep harping on the young guys. That's the one thing I'm really enjoying about this team right now. But first, today's episode of the Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by a new sports documentary podcast called Death at the Wing. The podcast is brought to you by the writer and director Adam McKay. If you don't know who he is, he's the guy who wrote movies like Vice, Anchorman, The Big Short. He's a really funny and good director slash writer who can take complex topics and make them easy to understand, but also bring a little laugh. I, I love The Big Short, Vice, two funny movies. I was Anchorman's an all-time classic uh, Death of the Wing is a podcast about 1980s basketball and explores the two dynamics of a growing league and how, like, Dr. J. Maddox Johnson, you know, turned the NBA into this fast-paced, flashy league that created lots of stars and wealth, but also how that wealth stardom were, uh, took a toll on the next generation of players, creating this kind of excess wealth and greed, and how some of the stars of that era, who guys who, were, could, who should have been stars, faced tragic deaths because of all this um, fame that came almost too fast too soon. Uh, McKay is joined by sports journalists and experts who live through the moments of the history to look overlook this to look at this overlooked phenomenon and view the and look at the web of social, political, and cultural forces at play. If you love The Last Dance or 30 for 30, I think you're gonna love Death at the Wing. Search for Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcast and start listening today. 
and we're back. All right, so I promised I'd be a little bit positive for the next five, seven minutes, so I would try to do that for you guys. Um, so, like I said earlier, the Pacers lost this game 92-87. They had a lead in the fourth quarter, so maybe that's a positive. Check number one. But really, the thing I liked the most tonight, and I thought when it comes to, like, things that made this t- make this team good and it can be successful going forward, is Turner's defense. Um, his ability when he was on the court, he wasn't vulnerable tonight, to, to, guard, to kind of keep Butler and Bam in check through, you know, because he can allow guys to play up on Butler, because he can get to catch him on the other way. But you know, he wasn't—he didn't like bite him on a ton of Butler's fakes the way you kind of expect him to usually do. I mean, there were still a few, but he—he's definitely become a more disciplined defender this year. And you can see that when he got when he got kind of forced onto Butler at times, and he just does such a good job on those two players. Um, it's kind of nice, I think, when he's not uh, like expected to have a great offensive night. He's kind of free to just kind of like focus on energy defensively and he, he puts his effort in and focuses and tries hard on that end. He had good offense that. I mean he was he had fifteen points, which is a really good night for Turner. And any night where he has fifteen points you think, oh they're gonna win a game because you know you won't get nine points from Sabonis or seven from Brogdon. You'll get, you know, twenty from one of those guys and that'll be enough to win. But uh I digress. No, I mean obviously Turner had foul trouble and that, that was an issue and that's kind of probably why they lost the game a little bit because they need him at, at times. But um his defense is probably low key or maybe even hiking now, their most important asset at any games, right? They're, they're in these games late, but what tends to happen is they kind of either they they get a bad start in the fourth quarter because Turner's not out there, or they're okay for the start, and then they get a bad start because Turner, they can't stop anybody because Turner's not out there. And Turner's defense is, like, one of the most important things for this team right now. It's just his ability to be the shutdown, lockdown guy, rim protector, whatever he's able to do, to, you know, force guys into terrible shots. And it's what makes this team pretty decent at times is just his 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 defense. I mean, it's what's, uh, to me, it's what's kind of actually holding this team up from being like really bad because their offense is so up and down at times that if they don't have Turner's defense, they're losing this game 187 instead of 92, 87. So I really like Turner's defense. The other thing I like, um, you know, the guy who had a good stat lines, McDermott had, had a good night in 14 points and five of six shooting. Goga, Goga had seven points. Goga still continues to make strides for me. I can think, you know, he get. I feel like he's, you know, again, he had a lot of fouls today and wasn't maybe at his best, but he feels like more of an NBA player every time I watch him now. This, especially for the All-Star break, I feel like, oh, this guy's becoming an NBA player. So that's exciting because they don't have, he's really the only good young player. Obviously, Sumner didn't have a great night, um, but chalked it up to just like one of the bad nights he's having. But Sumner, obviously, is another young player that I kind of like. Wouldn't say this was a great night for him, but um, we'll just talk chalk that up to just, it is what it is. They, you know, the Heat have a pretty decent bench when they have Iguodala and Hero and play some of the starters out there. Um, on Sabonis' injury real fast, uh, it looked like he was able to play, obviously. Um, they called it a quad contusion. Um, I'm going to pull up Scott Agnes' Twitter real fast to see if he's got any update because he's usually the go-to guy on all those injuries. Him or Jay Michael. Um, we love those two guys. But um, it looks like, obviously, Sabonis looks okay. I, I, I I could imagine maybe tomorrow wakes up in a lot of pain, something like that. They may have to miss a game or two. Because of that, they obviously play they play it back to backs. Maybe they don't play them in both games, but it didn't look too serious. You know, at first you think when a guy kinda out when he stepped, there really wasn't anybody stepped on, you worry about his knee, but not a big deal if it's just a left quad contusion. But we'll have to keep monitoring on that. But he wasn't his best self tonight because of that injury, he also wasn't that great before then anyways, but that certainly didn't help him. But Spones is a tough player. He's able to play through through shit, <laughs> frankly. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I guess we'll get an update probably tomorrow or, uh, at some point on right to the tomorrow or probably for before Friday's game on that injury. But considering he finished the game, it's a pretty good sign. They actually need some bonus offense to be able to be competitive in most games. So you don't want him to miss games, but man, yeah, he did not have a great night and the injury 
is a little bit concerning. Just you know, plays a, plays a lot of minutes, so he's just likely to get hurt more often just because of that. You know, the the burden he carries for this team. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, kind of before we talk about Lance Stevenson, which is going to be the big big topic. I think it'll be an exciting one. Is Brogdon finally kind of hit a hit a pretty rough game? I mean, he has, he hasn't played great. He didn't play great against Miami. Obviously, he was hurt last night. Played Miami about a week, week ago, but um, he did look kind of tired into this game, kind of dead. Not surprising. So the defense gets to play in a game like this, especially when it's a guard guy, a guy like Butler. And it's why they it's why they desperately need kind of more offensive threats. And it's why Levert, who also didn't play great. Um, once he gets a little more it'll feel better. Just because Brogdon, it feels like carries too much of a burden, and, and it's just tough. He's not like he just looks tired because he's he's just carrying too much of a burden. That's all I can really say. I mean, he's not built to be like a two-way dominant force for 48 minutes, or he played 31 minutes, and nobody is. So on ends like tonight, where he has seven points, other guys have to step offensively. Karras wasn't terrible. He had 14 points on five, 12 shooting, but you needed somebody else to really pop uh, on the starting five, and nobody else did. You know, usually you need three guys in the starting five to be in double figures to have a shot at winning game like this, and they only had two. So that's kind of why they lost. And that's kind of most I can say right now for this team. I mean, the obvious stats, they actually managed to win the rebound tonight, which is pretty good. I thought they did a good job rebounding and, like, focusing on that. But um, their shooting was not very good, and that's kind of why they lost. They, they fouled the Heat a ton. The Heat had 28 for the 10 versus the Pacers 12. They made 18 versus the Pacers 8. That's basically the game right there. Three-point shots are pretty even, so... It came down to the free throw line. The Pacers were just not disciplined when it came to fouling. Turnovers were about equal, same. So it, it, this game was lost at the line, ultimately, if you look at kind of the, the box score. But uh, this game was ultimately lost, in my opinion, because in the last four minutes, the Pacers couldn't hit a shot. 18-6 to six run. I think I just looked at that um, finally. 18-6 to six run to basically end this game for the Heat. And that's how you lose games because the Pacers had, had a real – this was a game they should have won, frankly, so. Try to be positive there. Let's do this. Take one more break, and then let's talk about Lance Stevenson. Could he return to the Pacers? But first, we're also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to, to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over. It's been over for a long time, but the NBA, college basketball with the Final Four, and the NHL are all in full swing, and BetOnline.ag is, is the place to place those bets. BetOnline even has covered things like awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place all your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag with promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus, betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. And we're also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. We've been talking about Built Bar for a while as the best tasting protein bar in the market. Built Bar are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars that are 100% covered in chocolate. And now it is Built Bar Madness, which means they're having a bracket to figure out who is the best Built Bar. Go to their Twitter at Built underscore Bar to see who they have matched up. The final four matchups today, at least, or I'm sorry, as of uh, Sunday, was Cookie and Cream versus Cookie Dough Chunk. So we'll see who wins that one. Cookie Dough is always one of my favorites. I'm a big sweet fan. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-1-5, you get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back later to see who won their matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, so if you haven't seen the news, it's coming from David Aldridge uh, over at The Athletic. Great reporter. 
He said veteran wing Lance Stevenson has been working out in New York the last few weeks in hopes of landing with the team. The 30-year-old last play with the Lakers 2019. He was diligent on his range, and you don't forget how to defend like born ready canned. Well, as we know, every time there's a Lance Stevenson rumor, Pacers are usually always linked. Uh, now, that was the old Larry Bird. Well, I guess, did, no, Bird brought him in last, right? And then Pritchard, I guess they resigned him for a year or whatever they decided to do. Um I guess Pritchard tried to resign him or was going to allow him to come back and then he chose to go to the Lakers. I don't remember the history on that, to be honest. It, 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 it changes every so often. But could the Pacers use Lance? Probably. Should they sign him? Probably not. One, he's not super great. Hasn't been great for that long, to be honest. Has been very, um, what is it I always say? Below average as a player. Good, good high energy helps if you're trying to make a little push. But considering where the Pacers are at, Probably not the kind of guy they want, right? Basically, if he comes in, that means Sumner plays less minutes, and that's not what I want. Lance isn't really a forward anymore. He's really a, a two or three, not really a, you know, and that would take minutes away from Sumner, who's playing the two or three right now for this Pacer team. You don't want that. And two, I think this team's better off just rolling the dice with what they have, right? Um, I made this case last week, but if the Pacers didn't make the playoffs or played the playing game and lost and didn't, like, make the official top eight and were in the lottery, I don't know if that's the worst case scenario. Right, without TJ Warren, this is kind of a lost season, especially with the trade of Vic mid-year and whatnot, and not having a you know that third guy or fourth guy for eight weeks. This is kind of a lost season. I mean, it sucks to say that, but it is. And it's not the worst case that this team ended up with a 10% chance of the top four pick. Maybe they'd win. If not, maybe they'd be the 10th overall pick and have a good shot at getting a guy there. I mean, they've gotten good players at the 10 spot, right? They took, you know, I think they took uh, Paul George at nine, not, not kind of that range. They took, uh, uh, not Lance, Miles Turner at 11. So, like, having that kind of top 11 pick is pretty decent. It would be okay for this team. It would be a valuable pick. And, you know, play the lottery and maybe they get lucky. But at this point, if they were the four or five and needed another rotation guy for the playoffs, I would kind of see having Lance if you think you have a real shot. Although they were the four or five seed, they'd probably have TJ Warren right now, so they wouldn't need Lance anyways. But I don't think they're making a real push to have, like, a great playoff season. There's not a ton of fans. It's not like they're losing a ton of money if they don't make the playoffs. They're not They're not really in a position right now even to really even – even if they sign Lance today, they probably aren't going to win more games when they sign Lance, right? Maybe a game or two, but not enough to, like, make a difference in where they're at in the seedings. They're probably going to be the 9 or 10 seed. We'll see if they win that first play-in game. Who knows um, when, when, when they play it. But – I don't know. I think you're better just rolling the dice to what you have and seeing how the cards play. You're just better off as a franchise um, being, you know, if you end up the 10 seed and not making the playoffs because the long run, right? The goal, you know, if they somehow got a top, you know, or a top 10 pick and then won the lottery, let's say, that could change this team's destination for, like, the direction of this team for a long time, right? I made this case last week, but this team, to me right now, has 2009-10 vibes where they have a lot of good players. They have some young talent. They've got some veteran guys. They've got good players who are they're a good team, but they don't have that one guy, the one clutch guy, the one guy they actually need to win tight games in important moments. And so maybe that guy's in the draft, right? The Pacer team from 2008 to 2011 was solidly average. They made the playoffs one of those seasons, but they were also made the playoffs as a 35 or something win team. So like they had the same record for like four or five straight years. They weren't very good. But they eventually they hit on a lottery pick that was Paul George, and within three years the team was competing for the the championship, arguably right. Took the Heat to seven games in the conference finals. That's competing for a championship, in my opinion. So maybe that's what they got to do, right? You get a guy, give him two three years, maybe he develops, and all of a sudden by twenty twenty four they have you know they're competing again, right? I mean that for a for a Eastern Conference championship. 
I don't know. I would, that just kind of is my hope right now. I I don't know what will happen. I mean, we'll, we'll, they have an easier schedule, so things could all of a sudden in a month now be talking differently. But I don't. I don't. Especially, I don't think Lance helps this team in that quest to you know have a really good next month because he comes in and will screw things up a little bit. I don't think he's worth signing. He's probably not very good anymore. I mean, he wasn't very good last time he was here at the end, and he probably still isn't that good. So it is what it is. I mean, I, I wish Lance uh, gets a shot in the league. I like watching Lance play. I think he's fun. He's exciting. He's a guy who I've gotten over the fact that he left the Patriots in 2014 when he shouldn't have. I've gotten over that fact because that was really annoying. He sh- should have stayed with the team. And getting on his path is that he left and his whole career got derailed because of it. And that's his fault. And he should take the, you know, that sucks for him. But gotten over the fact that he left this team. I hope he has a good career, but or has a chance to at least be like a, a a career bench guy. I mean, I think, I don't know, could he have the J.R. Smith role on some teams? He's probably not that good. Obviously, he's not J.R. Smith level. J.R. was like at his best with starting in the NBA Finals for the Lakers, or if not Lakers, the Cavs. But could he be a solid bench player on a decent team at some point? Maybe. Maybe. Um, he certainly deserves a chance, you know, because they're, you know, he, he has been there at times. But I hope Lance gets a shot. I just don't think, think it'll be with the Pacers and you know, the Pacers are okay not having him. In my humble opinion is all I'll have to say on that. Uh, so tomorrow, Tony will have a podcast, I believe, previewing the weekend's games. And then we'll be back on Monday for our weekly show. Also, I did a locker room earlier on Wednesday. It's a wonderful app where we basically host a room and talk about the Pacers for 30, 40 minutes. Uh, you guys can ask questions, whatever. So check that out. Um, obviously, you can't listen to that right now. It's It's an old locker room, but we will be on locker room every single week on the locker room app. You get it, get it on your app store and you can check those out, right? So check out our Twitter feed. We'll tweet when we're going to go on locker room, probably give you a little couple hour head warning, but you can hop on those and ask questions, me or Tony or both at times. So that's always fun for you guys out there. And I, I enjoy doing it. I really enjoy all the fan engagement because you guys are what make this podcast run at the end of the day. Um, I sit and talk into a mic, but I wouldn't do that if people weren't listening. And so it's really, this podcast is about you guys and wanting to listen and talk Pacers because ultimately we're all, as somebody said on the lockdown today, we're all in this painful experience together. We all have to be together and suffer and enjoy at the same time. So that's all I got for Locked On Pacers podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. Me at Freeman, find my host Tony East at Teast NBA. That is all. We'll see you guys tomorrow.